I didn't turn on it. Um, the hindrances can be worked with in um, uh, just just by um, maintaining uh, this quality of of um, awareness, mindfulness immersed in the body. So, you know, the sappy tree that uh, that doesn't ignite when a spark hits it. You know, the, the, that that we're in a way filled with. Um, uh, some sense of well-being, some sense of calmness, uh, and uh, and this can be cultivated, uh, and uh, and of course, you know, it's it's not something that's uh, you turn on the switch. It's something that develops and that um, it's cultivated and and comes and goes, uh, and we continue need to continue in practice to to bring an intention. To, uh, to coming home in that way and to cultivating that. Um, and, and then the hindrances can also be worked with, uh, with mindfulness and investigation to, uh, to notice the, the characteristics of, of our experience, um, to notice the, uh, the impermanent nature, anicca, the dukkha, the uh, unsatisfactory nature, and the and the selfless nature that that experience arises contingent on many many causes and conditions. Many, uh, uh, it, it all experience, whether it's um, pleasant or unpleasant, difficult or or uh, or easy, uh, arises. As we uh, arises uh, dependent, it co-arises um, from many, many causes and conditions, um, and so and so that that view of of not me, not mine, that this is that we gives us some some space in uh, in our relationship to whatever. Um, afflictive emotion is arising, and so, so we can, we can have some space to recognize that, that these uh, intense the intensity of emotions arise and pass away, uh, and that they also um, uh, that and and to also recognize that. That these um, these hindrances are dukkha, that they're that they're unsatisfactory, even if we're caught up in a pleasure fantasy, that 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 is also dukkha, um, and uh, it's it can't it can't fulfill us uh, in any enduring and um, profound or uh, deeply satisfying way. Um, and that, and that they, uh, the the hindrances, uh, the the emotion, the experiences, is not self. So I think I've kind of repeated, gone in a circle, and repeated myself a little bit. But um, yeah.
Um, and then uh, also we, just to, to touch on what we um, worked with yesterday, uh, the interconnectedness of life, uh, the, that we are nature, our bodies are nature, that uh, when, we, when we think that we uh, are separate and apart, um, we're, uh, we're in a state of delusion. Uh, and so, so just um, remembering that, uh, that we are nature and that as we look around us at the world, uh, the natural world, the world around us, we're, we're looking in a mirror. It's, it's who we are. So, um, so I've kind of, you know, done a very broad stroke review of some of the topics that we've covered in the meditation practice. And uh, I'd like to invite any, any questions or any, any um, comments that you have that you'd like to, you know, in order to work with these more fully as we go forward from here. <coughs> I'm not sure how it fits together, but at the beginning you mentioned that there were three things to bring in general, generosity, meditation, and there was a third one. Was it mindfulness? At the very beginning, I'm trying to understand how those relate to the lesson you have just reviewed. Well, I've talked about generosity um, a fair bit, and um, and ethics. Second one was ethics. So we 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 talked a little bit about ethics. We um, we we shared um, a, a commitment to to spend our time together within an ethical framework uh, called the Five Precepts. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I talked a little bit um, in one of the talks about how, um, I think it was particularly in regard to uh, restlessness and, and, and worry, you know, about how ethics can uh, help us with that. Because if, if we're living in a way that's careless and, and, and we're harming, uh, you know, thoughtlessly, we're, we're causing harm to others um, uh, in our in our speech in our behavior. Then we do have a sense of unease. We uh, we we're worried about you know what's what's been done. Sometimes this hindrance is is called restlessness and remorse, and so um, just really uh, getting caught up in. You know, should I have said that? Should I have talked that way? And so on. Uh, or um, should I have done that? And, um, and so, so that helps a lot to, um, uh, to settle into our lives, into our, into our moment by moment uh, presence um, uh, in, in the body. Um, and um, in the beginning, I, I, I mentioned uh, 
a threesome of um, a, a three uh, kind of a grouping of uh, uh, generosity and uh, and and ethics and and samadhi or and so that's the meditation practice and then in another talk I um, talking about generosity I talked about uh, generosity and ethics and renunciation so so renunciation is um, you know it doesn't mean um, you know like shaving our heads and, and uh, you know getting rid of all our possessions it can mean that if one takes up a monastic way of life but um, but renunciation more deeply means for both lay practitioners and for monastics, the renunciation, which is a letting go of, um, of obsessive thought patterns, of, uh, of, of the uh, illusion that one can find um, happiness through getting more uh, or, or, or pushing things away or getting rid of, you know, uh, kind of avoiding um, addiction and so on. So renunciation has uh, um, is something that we do moment by moment in our meditation practice, as we just let go of you know whatever kind of the obsession is, and and we and we recognize it, you know, and mindfulness arises, and there's a recognition and. And we choose to let it go and return to the breath. So that's the kind of renunciation that, um, that we can practice, you know, moment by moment. And, and, and renunciation can, can be, you know, when the, the a retort, kind of a, an, an angry retort or a, a sarcastic retort, uh, comes that might be cutting or hurtful to somebody, uh, and we have the mindfulness to recognize it, and then say, maybe I will say that, you know, maybe I'll let that go. So renunciation um, is very connected to uh, mindfulness practice and ethics practice, um, and it it brings a, a deeper uh, sense of integrity and uh, and calm and connectedness and and I, I have I have a teacher who said once that you know renunciation is really the way that we practice compassion toward ourselves when we have a wise view and we recognize that the the uh, the behaviors that maybe we've habitually engaged in uh, cause suffering to ourselves and others and and so renunciation is a way that we uh, we practice compassion toward ourselves by letting go of those things is that any other question yeah this is just for David did you post the poem the names of the poems on the board Oh, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, uh, I'll do it at the walking period. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah.
Other questions about meditation practice? Yeah, I just wanted a, a reflection. I, I love the uh, four elements guided meditation that you did. It's the first time that I've ever have understood the four elements in, in a way that uh, I thought of it as a sort of archaic version of the, of the periodic table of elements. It's much more than that, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, is, it is archaic in, in the sense that we, we don't use that, though, that, that uh, kind of a formula to, or, or, you know, that's not how we find the, 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 the just the building blocks of matter anymore. We have a, a, a scientific understanding of that which is more profound but it it has a, a very profound spiritual um, truth that we can integrate into our lives yeah are we in Q&A or that's later the Q&A is about meditation meditation and this is about anything else the Q&A now okay. is about meditation then there'll be Q&A after David and I, uh, in, 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 at 10.15, David and I are going to have a talk about practice in daily life. And, um, and then you'll have uh, an opportunity to, to um, ask questions, more questions. And, and I, I think the focus will be about how we practice in our daily lives. Yeah. So then I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I first came to uh, meditation through um, Center for Mindfulness, a little bit more drier approach, uh, useful, extremely useful, um, and which brought me then to this Buddhist Vipassana meditation. So I just sometimes I feel conflicted um, because... Um, I don't know. I just have because you know this, the you know mindfulness-based stress reduction and cognitive behavior therapy I find very useful, and so I don't know. I just that's the sort of a training that's offered, and you can follow and pay for, and then you can practice it. Yeah. So. Um, is there a way to use that useful tool in a way that's not neglecting, I don't know, the deeper part, and is yeah. it okay, or I don't know what? Yeah, of course it's okay. I, I, think, I think we figure it out, you know, within ourselves. Um, it, you know, the, the MBSR and other mindfulness-based approaches um, have drawn from Buddhism. You know, they've they've drawn certain elements from Buddhism, um, and and they leave out also a lot of depth. You know, of what's really in the whole Buddhist teachings. So, but there's a methodology that that can be learned in the MBSR that's extremely useful and has really served people um, 
in, in wonderful ways. Um, you know, there's, there's controversy. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always, you can always find controversy about uh, things if you are looking for controversy and in and, and, and some way um, say that, uh, you know, well, it, it, it should all be included or, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't exclude this dimension. But I, 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 just, I just feel that, you know, it's, it serves such a wide, such a broad um, spectrum of needs. Uh, it seems to be doing so much good in society. Um, you know, it's, it, it has, it can, I guess my concerns around MBSR have to do with um, how people get qualified to, to teach it and sometimes uh, they're, you know, they don't, they don't seem to be standards established uh, in terms of how, uh, how one gets qualified to, to teach MBSR. I think that's probably something that's coming, you know, it's, it's evolving. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that we don't need to compartmentalize ourselves. You know, like I, um, I draw from different traditions of Buddhism. I've also uh, been, uh, had a, a very deep Christian practice and that still is, kind of lives in me in a way. And I don't feel that uh, they're at war within me or, you know, that I need to somehow, uh, you know, decide which is right, which is wrong, which is better, which is worse. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we, we, we manage to be, um, to have, to find our way uh, to incorporate different cultures, different languages, you know, within our own being. We, we um, I, I think it's just something to be, uh, to be lived. Um, and, and, and when a certain approach supports you, then, you know, uh, definitely there's no, I mean. Like, can you be legitimate uh, in MBSR, if you haven't been, if you've only practiced for two or three or four years in meditation. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, um, I, th I think so. Um, I, you know, again, uh, there just don't seem to be standards. I mean, in terms of one's own practice, one can be practicing MBSR after an eight-week course, you know, um, and, um, you know, and, and in terms of teaching it, I think, I think it, it does well for teachers of MBSR to, to really get some immersive experiences in retreat so that, you know, there's an understanding develops of, you know, what really is mindfulness and, and you know, because, because MBSR draws from these insights 
into uh, impermanence and into um, suffering. Not so much focusing on the anatta part, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You want to add anything? Do you have anything you want to add, David? Because you've kind of been in the MBSR world more than I have. Right. Um, no. I think that could be useful right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've taught. I've taught a bit of it, but uh, you know, I find a lot of what you just said, Daryl, that uh, it's been very. It can be very helpful with people. I think the brilliance of. John Kabat-Zinn, when he developed this uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, is that he, um, in a sense, it, it helped people connect with it in a way that may not have happened had, had he kept um, the Dharma words in, for instance, you know, um, and had he connected it with the East. There may have been some resistance, some pushback from uh, other religious groups. So I think by, um, you know, de-religiousizing it or whatever the word is, but, you know, just, um, but then at the same time, like Daryl said, it's, it, the mindfulness is just a piece of what we're, what we're doing. And there's, there's a greater depth. And, um, you know, when we come here, we can drop into some deeper insights that would not be necessarily available in an eight-week course, you know. Um, but I don't think one excludes the other, I think. I think they're both, uh, they, they can both work very well together. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That question really uh, reminded me of, of a question I have. When I'm at home in my private, in, in my individual practice, I can get very bogged down. My thinking mind can get very bogged down into what is the right meditation to do right now? Should I be doing asana? Should I be doing samadhi? Should I be doing a meta meditation? And what I appreciate about this is my that choice has been taken away from me. It's been very liberating. I follow the instructions, but I can really get myself into an intellectual lather about it when I'm actually at home on my cushion and. Okay, well, I'll do the meta. And like, no, no, that's not quite right. Really, what I should be doing right now is this or that. Or I'll read some Sharon Salt's work and I'll think, yes, nothing but meta for a month. And then <laughs> I just, you know, wow, like, you know, that, that's like the, something in there wants to achieve something, right? <laughs> and, 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 so I. I guess my question is, so generally what, what I've been trying to do is I just, I go with what my intention is, what, what feels right, I, I just try to listen to that. But I wonder then sometimes by taking that really eclectic approach where I do, I dabble, I wonder then if I'm robbing myself of like, of a deeper, deeper, more enriching experience in one particular form of practice. Yeah. So it's like a breadth versus depth. Mm. Or am I creating a problem out of nothing? <laughs> yeah. Actually, they're not so separate as as you uh, uh, as you are describing them or thinking about them. Um, meta is uh, is really uh, an intrinsic part of of the insight meditation practice, the mindfulness practice. 
um, insight, insight meditation includes more than mindfulness. Mindfulness is a, you know, an aspect. Um, and, and metta is, you know, is, a, is really um, a very important way of uh, opening the heart um, and, um, and being able to be present and attentive and attuned to whatever's coming up. As we sit in meditation, you know, to um, to not, you know, I, I think I described in one of my talks, you know, my 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 experience of uh, noticing a, a habit of mind and and then kind of slamming the door, like, you know, I don't want to see that. I, I, you know, I can't accept that that is coming up in my quote-unquote mind and uh, and so the metta you know is really helpful in just cultivating that attitude of uh, of openness to whatever is is emerging and uh, allowing it to manifest and and uh, come and go or you know or turn toward it and and, and investigate it and also metta is in itself an absorption practice. It, it is in itself a, a, a kind of samatha practice. And I think that we, in, our, in, in one of the practices that we did, where we were feeling the whole body and we were just discovering um, that metta is emerging, you know, that our body is really the, the, the context, the the ground from which metta can can uh, arise and and grow and be present, um, you know that that is a kind of samatha practice. Um, so and um, and samatha and and vipassana or insight uh, really, you know, when we're practicing vipassana. We are cultivating tranquility of mind um, because because the just the the practice of being mindful steadies and stabilizes the mind. And when we practice samatha, we are cultivating the capacity to, with a steady and stable, um, attentive mind, just investigate. You know, notice and investigate. So really, they're not—they're not, they're not uh, you know, like three different practices. Um, so you know, you could do all three in a sitting if you wanted. You know, you could start with a few minutes. I don't know how long you practice, but say if you—if you practice for thirty minutes, you could start with a few minutes of metta, just kind of, and and then and then move into feeling the breath. And then, you know, if if you notice something emerging that you want to turn toward, you know, and just notice it's impermanent, dukkha, anatta, nature, you, you know, and then go back to just, I mean, that is a very um, a kind of a standard way of practicing to, to kind of go back to the breath as a kind of a, an anchor, um, and you could. Uh, there could be at times when 
you sit down and 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 there's just so much going on uh, in your life or in your in your heart, your mind, and 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 you decide um, I just need to find some stability right now, and and so I'm just gonna be with the breath. I'm just gonna you know maybe bring some metta and then be with the breath, be with the body, you know, find that sense of presence in the body and yeah, they're very, very interconnected. So yeah, don't don't worry about it. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that, that, that is something that, um, uh, there's a beautiful book um, by Thich Nhat Hanh um, called um, Buddha, it just, it, it's Buddha talking, Buddha and Jesus, okay, I was, couldn't remember Buddha and Christ or Buddha and Jesus, yeah. Beautiful book, and 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 there's there's really a lot of you know when we pray, we are collecting the heart and mind, to, and directing it to, um, you know, uh, what is larger, than our, little, self, and opening our hearts, so there's a lot which is common. There's there's a devotional aspect to, to uh, Christianity, which is not so um, present in the Buddhism that we learn in the West, but in many forms of Buddhist practice, it, there can be a strong devotional dimension. Um, so again, it's, I, I think it's something you know, without a, f- a feeling of, you know, that you're doing something wrong or betraying, I think it's fine to explore these modalities. And you know, I've, I've, just, I've just been reading this book, I just finished this book called um, The Jew and the Lotus. It's an old book, it's back from, I don't know, it was written in the 80s or something, but, you know, and it, uh, it it's reflecting on you know I mean there are a lot of Jewish people who uh, were involved in kind of bringing um, Buddhism to North America and 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 you know it was a reflection on on why this is and and how some Jewish people uh, combine their Judaism with Buddhism and and some have left, you know, the whole Jew- Jewish tradition altogether. So uh, there are many people who combine Christianity and, and Buddhist practice. Uh, 
using uh, meditation as a way to deepen in prayer, and, and really emphasizing also the life, the life of God in us, the life that, that you know, that I think that when we, when we combine Christianity and Buddhism, there's a, there's a, a way in which we really uh, become attuned to how God, you know, that mystery, you know, that we use the word God, uh, how God lives in us, and and how we experience God in the inclinations of our heart, and 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 a Buddhist might say that wisdom lives in us or compassion lives in us you know so so it's not to say they're the same thing but it's it's to say that there's uh, they don't need to be in conflict i mean it's when you get into the doctrines you know and the the things that have been you know proclaimed as doctrines of the church or you know doctrines of buddhism and 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 you get at that level and then they 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 clash, but when you're at the experiential level, um, you know what I would call the mystical level um, of of the tradition. That um, I don't think mystics have arguments with each other. <laughs> May I comment? Um, sure. So first, I want to express gratitude because my practice as a Jew is actually Orthodox. So it's very um, important for me that I was able to come here, express gratitude, but not bow, um, eat food that didn't contain meat, um, keep my Sabbath. There are many things I was able to do in peace, and I'm very grateful for that. So I want to say thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say that um, in the meditation group that I study with in Toronto, there's people who study different contemplative traditions who are Christian and Muslim and Jewish and many different faiths learning mindfulness. And what happens is there's always a common root, I suppose, at the mystical <coughs> level. And so what I do is uh, I'm, you know, for me, um, honesty, so truth speaking, I'd be the best I so what I find is, in studying mindfulness or being here exposed to Dharma, I return to my tradition with questions that I wouldn't have known how to formulate. And then there are people who are able to answer it who rich, enrich my practice within Judaism. And not everybody can do that. In fact, very few, but that's okay, because I don't need to be everybody. <laughs> so there's different, uh, for me, I'm at peace with it because I'm not becoming a Buddhist, but I'm being informed in my practice by Buddhism, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I would like to make a comment, too, that will probably encompass quite a few questions we learn. Every time we catch ourselves saying something like I should or I shouldn't, the should is kind of an external pressure. So I, I always like to say, well, instead of saying I should or should not, try to say I want or I don't want. So then it, it comes from within. Mm-hmm. And I think we can trust 
our, uh, like on our true nature, we could uh, connect it with the Buddha instead, mm -hmm. and, and so because our God, that's that's what uh, motivates us, the true nature, and whenever there's an external should, maybe then in in meditation we can explore. Uh, what does that mean? Is it that I'm afraid that I won't be pleasing people or whatever? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. A very simple thing. Every time we catch ourselves saying "I should," and then we just stop and say, "Hmm, where is this coming from?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we honor our, as I used to say, our true nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's. Uh, I think that meditation helps us to attune to that inner wisdom, to that inner heart. Um, to uh, to find what is uh, is deeply true for us, and um, and live from that. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say this is the first time I was exposed to chanting, and um, thank you very much. It was it was a lovely experience. And my question actually. <laughs> I was going to start with should, but I'm going to <laughs> just, um, I guess, tell my experience. Because I was going to ask, should we be doing should we? So I'll just say that, um, you know, initially, um, sort of at a cognitive level, I was worried about, you know, the words, um, because they were new, um, and the one chanting, the, the inflections. Um, and there were times when, you, when I, I went up instead of going down, and I, I thought, no, be compassionate to the soul. It doesn't matter. Um, but I got caught up with, um, you know, wondering if, I, I'm sorry, I should be thinking <laughs> more about the, the meaning of the words as we were chanting. Yeah. There were times when I, I remember one of them you said, before we started, enjoy. And doing it, I truly was enjoying just the sound. And then I thought, you know, when we went into harmony, I'm thinking, um, thinking about the interdependence and how that, and I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking too much about that, and it's like, I, I just wasn't sure. Um, so as I said, my question was, should I be, but I'm just telling you what I <laughs> It all sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, chanting, I, it is words, and, and I mean, when we chant in the morning, these are words that, um, you know about uh, about the uh, I will abide pervading uh, the all-encompassing world with you know these boundless states of heart, and and so it is um, it, it it inspires us uh, if it does to to bring these these qualities into our lives and um, and so you know it we're taking in those meanings and. And when we're chanting just the four words, um, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, you know, the, we may or may not be reflecting on the meaning of those. You know, it's not that thoughts are, uh, thoughts are not to be banished from the mind. You know, uh, a, a mind which is completely without thought is not 
the ideal mind. You know, when we go into certain states of meditative absorption, the mind gets very quiet, and 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 that is a lovely experience, and it's very refreshing and nourishing. And we discover that there's a deeper awareness than the thinking mind, and that we can take in our experience on a deeper level than just through the filter of concepts. You know, that's most people experience their lives through the filter of concepts. And, and, and as, we, as the mind gets more quiet, we can, we can experience things with a sensitivity that is very direct and open, you know, like a child, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and it can be very joyful, yeah. and curious, and full of wonder, you know, like a child. Uh, and we have these minds, which are uh, amazing tools, and and uh, we can, you know, we can through through the vehicle of teachings and and thoughts, uh, we can touch into possibilities and reflect on our experience and so on. So yeah, so there's no should. <laughs> it's uh, it is what. You know, as you experience it, I mean, it, it, you know, immersing. I mean, you you didn't say that you were thinking about what you needed to cook for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that you know, that is. So the the chanting is a way of collecting the mind. It's a practice, not you know, not that it's. I mean, that's part of the practice. Is if the mind does, kind of, go into past and future that we come back and we bring ourselves back to our present. Uh, yeah, just. I just, now that we're talking about chanting, I had a question and I got, I got uh, hung up on mm-hmm. one of the chants, the one I prevail and first quarter, second quarter, and I got caught up on the quarters and I was like, quarter of what? <laughs> quarter of my heart? Quarter of the world? Quarter of like, <laughs> I've never had an explanation of it, oh. but but I I can just tell you how I understand it is is it's like you know like a very um, it, you know to the north to the south to the east to the west above and below these are ancient ways of of talking about ev- you know that everywhere all dimensions. The whole, yeah, like you know, like in the uh, in many indigenous uh, spiritual traditions, you know, there's the four directions, you know, and so it's it's similar to that, and 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 often above and below is added, and sometimes within is is added, um, so uh, it's it's just a way of saying everything. <laughs> yeah. um, chanting is uh, it unites. Yeah, our, our boundaries are thinning. Not to, 
get in fusion with other people, keeping our self. That's another topic. But uh, when we, yeah, this is, we get together in a deeper level in chanting. Mm. As we did when we. Uh, the humming. The humming. Mm. Yeah. The humming. Yes, and as we did also when we uh, walked together. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I was just thinking about everyone's heart beating, you know, together, and also uh, immersed in, in nature. Yeah. So everything's in also with the tree. Yeah, yeah. And the metaphor of the tree. Yeah, yeah. It is an important dimension of the chanting. It's to, it's a way that we, yeah, it's, it's um, you put it very, very beautifully. Thank you. So let's just take uh, a few minutes to uh, to sit and breathe together.
in this last hour there's been a shift in our practice as we practiced uh, speaking, some people speaking and listening and looking around at each other so moving out of the silence that we've been holding the deep silence we've been holding so carefully over the last few days and so we're going back into silence uh, for the walking period and notice how you feel in the body notice how this shift into more uh, relating to each other through speaking and looking and uh, commenting and so on notice how this feels in the body notice how it lives in the body bring um, kind, open heart and attitude to how the body is, uh, the energy of the body is manifesting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.